Check the microphone. Dylan, you're doing a great job. Just an excellent stand-up job. <clears throat> Gavin, how many days do you have left of school for you personally? I think I have 12. You have some when you come back? You have some when you come back? What do you guys So 10 plus. Wow. Let's see. Okay, guys. While we're getting handouts handed out, let's do some quick announcements. Okay, number one. Gavin only has 12 days left of high school. Now, he'll be with us, but he's going to graduate early, so that's pretty cool. So uh, give him a fist bump if you see him at some point. Everybody just give Gavin a whole bunch of attention right now. Everybody look at Gavin. Gavin, we love you, Gavin. We love you. Yes. Speech, speech. Good speech, man. Tell us how to do it. Pass your classes. Or dope. Doesn't matter, you still graduate early. Nice. Well, cool. Um, other announcements. Number one, we have a Christmas party next week. It's Joel's birthday. Today? Yeah, no, last week was. No way. Oh, yeah. No, his birthday's like in July or something. It's probably today. No, his birthday's in July. We should sing for Joel. It feels like it's today. It's not July. It feels like it's July. I did. <laughs> Get him. No, it's 12 12. Might have sent in an email. Maybe. Maybe, baby. I don't know what was. Second one. Hey, guys. There you go. Well, Jeff is walking up. There's a bunch of hoodies back here. I think that's Elijah Davidson's. That looks nice. We'll start the bidding at seven dollars. One of those looks like something you would buy from a I think that's Elijah Davidson's from like two years ago. Seriously, I, I really think so. Okay, uh, Christmas party next week. So when you come back on the 19th next week, uh, we're going to have a Christmas party. So you should bring your friends. Seth, are you? Uh, did I hear this right? That you're, you're preaching the gospel? Is that true? 
Okay, Seth said he's going to start on the message because he's going to share a devotional gospel sort of thing. Nothing like too serious. But he's going to share. And so your friends, maybe that are considering the gospel or maybe um, you feel like, hey, they might benefit from just hanging with us next week, bring them. And Seth is going to share. But we're also going to have activities and there will be food and it will be just kind of a casual time to hang out together. So that's next week, uh, 9 a.m., regular Sunday school time. Uh, What else? Mission Focus is around the corner. If you haven't registered... Adults included, if you haven't registered, uh, they're saying they want us to register, all of us, students and adults. If your parents will register you, don't worry about it, um, but we got to get that all organized because we're going to do some, some uh, what do you want to call it? It's not really, is it active? Did somebody say camping? Planning, well, it is, <clears throat> it is for planning because we're going to do some like... Uh, skits type activities and and we want you to be involved but we kind of need to know numbers and we're going to have some small groups and so if you could register that would just be really helpful okay register lastly here's the deal guys this is important we are going when the building down the street is done we will likely this is in preliminary discussion mode but we will likely be able to use that space pretty often, if not weekly, our classes will be down the street in the Meyer building, the new building. We will get to use the new building. Does that make sense? But that new building was kind of a piece of junk when we bought it. It was old, it was run down, it wasn't used. So the Kaya, wherever they are, they've had 10 to 12 work days where they've demoed stuff, where they've put blood, sweat, and tears into getting that building ready. Now, they're going to use it, but we get to use it. And so, here's, let's draw the line here. We have an opportunity tomorrow, Monday evening, from I think 6 to 9, I can double check for you if you're interested, where we can go and help do some labor down the street in the building that we are going to use. Now, I'd put it this way. My children... They don't really have to do the chores because when they do the chores, like we do the chores after they do the chores, right? You know what I mean? Like they're not actually very productive or effective. Is Kylie in here? No, she has a. I thought I heard her singing. Yeah, okay. So she was here. Kylie typically has to do the chores afterwards. Why? Well, because they're little kids. But we want them to know, hey, you have a place here. But we also want to train them to take ownership of our house, of our home. Like This is your home. And you need to know that you have to haul some water around here. Okay, let's just apply that to us. You may not be very good at doing handiwork. Okay? You might not have a clue what to do if you showed up down there for a work day. But there's people there that can help you put your hands to work and you can be part of that process of owning that building in that space for our group. Some of you actually would be helpful and, and effective in whatever work they're going to do for those few hours. Does that make sense? So I just want to encourage you, if you're available, if you're able to, that would probably mean a lot to you. Um, it would also mean a lot to us if you could help kind of do some work down there. Cool? Any questions about that? You need to know what time? Or are you just not going to go? You need to know. If you're going to go, you need to know the time. You guys are like, nope, don't need to know. 
Don't matter. Good question. It's um, so the theater building that we've been in in times past, the big tall building with the white thing on top. It's to the left of that, okay. I think. It's either to the left or to the right. It's to the right of that. Yes, there's a back door, and then there's a main entrance as well. But yeah, it's right down there. Okay, here's the time. If you want to go to the workday, it is Monday night from six to nine. Six to nine. Uh, tomorrow, I believe. Wait, what? Yeah, tomorrow six to nine. It's thirty nine twenty three twenty five. That's the building address. 39-23-25. Yeah, so if you think 39-25, main, that's the... 39-25. There you go. Are you going? <laughs> okay. All right, is anyone planning on going? Anyone planning, you know for sure you're going. Okay, Dan and Brenda, anybody else planning on going? Okay, anybody else considering going? You're thinking through it. Okay, six and a half, seven, eight. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm putting it in. Okay. All right, I got you in. You're committed. All right, cool. Is there any other announcements we need to talk about? Is there anything else I'm missing? Okay. Do we need a seating chart in here? All right, let's get started. So here's the deal. Uh, today we're going to continue the Foundations 2 study and we're going to stage 3 of the 7 stages to spiritual growth. Now I will tell you up front, we're, we're going to be preach heavy today. If we have time at the end to just stop and have fellowship and response and that kind of thing, we will. But we may, we may fill up all of the minutes talking about stage 3, this first part of stage 3 today. Does that make sense? So that's not an invitation to just check out because it's going to be really long and boring to you. That's an invitation to engage and to get something from this morning. So there's two groups of people I'd like um, maybe to address in going through stage three. Number one, if you're an upperclassman or an adult, an upperclassman though in particular, as we go through stage three, we're going to, we're going to be addressing, and I want you to listen for the why. Why? The motivation. Right? If you're an underclassman, and I would probably throw juniors in both groups, upperclassmen and underclassmen for this morning, I want, I want you to hear and listen for the what. What is it that we got to do? As well as the why. But really, this is a call to stage three, to, to do it. Does that make sense? So... Uh, stage one was what? What were the what were the buzzwords from stage one? Let's do a quick review. Gavin, repentance. repentance what else? Baptism. Baptism. What else? Salvation. Salvation. Right. Those are the kind of things we talked about in stage one. What about stage two? Knowing God. 
Knowing God, enlightenment, right? So you're learning who He is. You're developing that personal, like a personal relationship with God. So it's different from I have a relationship with, say, I don't know, the principal of my school. I know her. I know some things about her even because she talks in front of the whole staff from time to time. She comes on in the announcements every once in a while. But there's a difference between that and if I were to like eat lunch with her every day. I would know her in a different way. Does that make sense? So stage two is you're not just hearing the announcements from the pulpits. You're actually spending quality time with God and you're getting to know Him personally. Does that make sense? Stage three is going to be, okay, you know God. Now let's, let's participate in some ministry service. Let's serve God. Let's do some work. Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll walk through a couple things uh, regarding stage three. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. God, thank you for the students. Thank you for the visitors, the Vietnam team. God, we do just ask that, you know, whatever it is that they need, um, you know, from their time hanging out with youth and exploring the different ministries and just trying to get prepared and equipped, whatever it is that you want to show them in their time with us, God, we want to, we want that to happen. We want to, to just be an example of what student ministry will be like in Vietnam. We want to be available to answer questions or whatever it is, but God, we want you to bless them. God, we want you to continue to prepare and solidify the team to, to affirm what you're doing in and through them um, here all the way to, to when they launch and, and go across the world. And God, would you just even now go before them as you've done already? Would you just continue to you know, give them fruit ahead of schedule and then uh, just bless them, Lord, the families being uprooted and all that goes into that, it's, uh, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't want to look at that and take that lightly. We want to support them and, and we want to love them and we want them to know that we see them and we hear them and we're with them. And um, God, regarding, you know, stage three and what we're talking about this morning, Lord, would you help us, help us to quiet ourselves and to hear from you. Like specifically, what is it that you're leading us in? How are you going to lead us this morning? We need your Spirit, by your Word, to instruct us and to speak to us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's talk about the fruit of enlightenment. We're talking about stage three. We're talking about you've been enlightened, you've developed this enlightenment or this um, personal relationship with God. You know who He is. Well, what is the fruit of that? What comes out of knowing God? That is stage three. That is service. That's a life given uh, to doing what God wants you to do, right? And um, laying your life down for the body. So the fruit of enlightenment is a desire to serve. If you have a relationship with God, what ought to be produced is, I want to serve God now. Does that make sense? Pretty straightforward. So let's talk about the attitude of stage three. Talk about this desire. So here's some personal and practical application. Most people, 
who finished discipleship one, biblical discipleship, foundations one, whatever name you want to call it, and people who finished that and foundations two, right? That next step in your path for growth after you've been mentored and maybe you've turned around and mentored someone and second half of your senior year, you are, you are aiming at, if not already, paired in discipleship. You are being discipled. And then you've taken a year to be discipled, and somewhere along the way you've had discussions about plugging into Foundations 2, Discipleship 2, and LFBI is in front of you. Okay, people who finish Discipleship 1 and 2, they typically stick around. They stick around and they stay involved in ministry. They don't just wander off and do their own thing, live in their own life. Well, why? Why is that? Why would someone who goes through that process, who submits to that training and that learning, to that service, why would they stick around and keep serving? Because once you realize who Jesus Christ is, once you see Him for who He truly is, what else is there? What is better than that? So I could propose to you this morning that if you don't see that there is nothing else for you the rest of your life, if you don't see that there's nothing else that will satisfy, that will fulfill, that will uh, keep you encouraged, that will give you love, joy, peace, there's nothing. if you don't see that there's nothing else in this life for you, it might be because you haven't seen Jesus for who He is. Now you might be saved. But you might not have a stage two established relationship personally with the Creator. Does that make sense? But if you get through that and to that, man, there is nothing else. And there's a resolve that comes there. Most people who get to that place, they're resolved. There's nothing else. Right? Well, that's because... We want to serve a person. It's not that we want to fulfill a job, right? It's not that we want to to accomplish a task in and of itself. It's because we want to work for the one who we work for. So it's like a coach, right? Any good coach in any sport, or it's like a a conductor even of uh, of, a music group. You might have some internal motivation where you want to do well for your team, for your whatever. Okay, but when you have a leader who's organizing, who's instructing, who's teaching, and you know that they care for you, and you know that they're like, they're in it to win it for you, and they love you, and they'll take care of you, and they want to see you grow, well, what does that do to you? That makes you want, you want to grow. Right? You want to perform even for them. Like, you want to, you want to get better. That coach gets the most out of his players. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, God is the same way. He's the best coach in the world. He's the best conductor. He's the best Lord. He's the best boss in the world. If we see Him that way, man, I want to do well. Okay, the ministry is a privilege. It's a privilege to get to do it. And there's even payment for your service. Did you know that? Did you know if you serve the Lord, you get paid? Did you know that? Oh yeah, I did. Okay, think about it. Do you deserve to get paid for your service? 
No, we don't deserve that. I mean, our service is like, we're like children doing chores around the house. It's like semi-effective. You know, it's like the thought is cute. It's endearing. But what are we really accomplishing? Uh, I don't know. I really, I, mm. I know that the Lord is using us. But here's the, here's the reality. We will get an allowance at the judgment seat of Christ. But here's something that you need to understand. Your service in ministry is not for the allowance, right? It's not for the payment. It's a privilege. You get to do it. But I tell you, it is, it is about the partnership that you get with Christ. So here, check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says, We then as, here's what we are, workers together with Him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Right? We get to work with Christ. The service, the ministry service that we get to participate in is that with God. Does that make sense? So here's, what, here's how that gets some perspective. When ministry gets hard. Okay, if ministry is easy. If you're doing fun stuff, Christ is with me or without me, it's whatever, I'm doing a fun thing. Okay, but how about when ministry is hard? How about when you have to do the same thing over and over and over, week after week after week after week after week, for years and years and years and years? How about when you don't get uh, noticed? How about when you don't get appreciation? How about when someone in your ministry team or someone above you or below you offends you? How about when ministry actually isn't glamorous and it's quite frankly pretty awful feeling? How about then? Well, then... Christ is with me means a lot. Because ministry, I can tell you from personal experience, ministry can feel very lonely. Now, I know I'm not alone. Kylie's always there. The ministry team is always, always there. You guys are always here. Like, There's love. But honestly, there's times where I feel really lonely in ministry. For whatever reason. I don't know. And if we miss it, Christ is with us, we'll get real depressed. We'll get real miserable. Because we're serving in ministry. Even if for the right reasons. Does this make sense so far? Okay. So, like in a sporting event, ministry has hard times. There's things that are inconvenient. There's things that are difficult. Even with Christ by your side. Even if I know He's there, it can still be hard. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, here's what we need to be. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So there's two, there's two thoughts for us. Key thought number one, we get to serve God. Don't ever see that in any... You don't have to. It is not something where we're forcing you to do that. I'm not forced to serve God, and neither are you. No one here at this church will say, you have to, otherwise you'll lose your salvation. You have to, otherwise you're worthless. That's not going to happen. That won't be said. Because we have to understand, dude, we get to. We get to serve Him. And He's great. Okay, but here's your key application of that. God is good, and we get to serve Him, and God is enough for hard, arduous, discouraging seasons of ministry. When it gets hard, when we get to serve God and things kind of suck, maybe you get called to go across the world. 
Bet you I know at least one feeling they're going to have. Bet you they're going to feel lonely. Even though they've got a team, and even though they, they know that we love them and all that, when, they, when the Vietnam team goes to Vietnam, just like the Boston team when they went to Boston, there's going to be seasons where they feel lonely and bad and low. There's this first year blues that people talk about. Now, I don't, I've never experienced it, but in the first year of being on the mission field, it's just sad. Because there's all this transition from this life into this new life. And we need to pray for the Vietnam team. We need to continue to pray for the Boston team, but we need to pray for the Vietnam team for that first year. That they would be able to see, and we need to see ourselves, that God is enough, even for those moments. God is enough if we'll just turn our eyes to Him. When we're serving God, if we'll look to Him in service. Does that make sense? You with me? I'm going to say, does that make sense? Probably a thousand times. Because this is heady stuff, I feel like. Right? And some of you are already asleep with your eyes open like Charlie was last week. Okay, so let's talk about some principles from stage three. Then we're going to talk about some principles. Some principles for service, some principles for leadership, for principles, some principles for um, beginning to dive into the work. So we'll look at principles from the ministry of Jesus, right? Jesus challenged his disciples to be involved. In Matthew 4, verse 19, And he saith unto them, here's what he told the disciples, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, so Jesus sees these disciples, and what does he do? He meets them, he meets these men where they are at. What were they doing? The best sport in the world. Fishing. What? Is it really a sport? Security. Security. What would you say? You're not... It gets my blood pumping. I get really excited. She said fishing in a sport. It's a hobby. Never mind, we're done. Let's get out of here. Hmm. Okay, so these men, these disciples, these guys, they're fishing, and what Jesus does is he relates, he relates them to the ministry. They are fishing. And he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He says, look, I'm going to connect you with the ministry. Look at this. You see who you are? Well, I'm going to apply you to the ministry. Does that make sense? He's connecting their lives to the mission, little by little. But he's involving them. He wants them to, to be involved in the ministry. How? Being fishers of men. You're going, to, you're going to actually, I know it's exciting to catch a fish. It's even more exciting to catch a soul, to win a soul. Does that make sense? Okay, he also says in John chapter 4, verse 34 through 38, here's what he says. It's not in your notes, so you have to listen to me here. He says, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, he's asking a question here, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Like, don't you say that for, in four months the harvest is coming? He says, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. 
And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth a fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth, and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. So what are we talking about? Jesus meets these men where they are at, and he says, Hey, look at that. Look at the, if you'll look at people, you'll see that, that they're ready. That har- you say, don't you say that harvest is coming in four months? I'm saying, nah, look up. It's ready right now. What is he doing? He's relating the ministry to them. He's saying, hey, you know what? Look at the ministry. We can do this. We could like go right now. We could go win souls. We could say the same thing to you guys. You go to your schools, and it's about time. The harvest is ready. And here's what I mean. Every single year that I've taught, I've noticed this. That at the beginning, it's kind of awkward. I don't know my students, the new students that I don't know, right? Kids in my class, I'm getting to know them. I'm learning who they are. We're talking. They're figuring me out. We're building trust, right? What is this dynamic? Okay, we've got to figure it out by, I don't know, maybe October, parent-teacher conferences. Then I'm really holding their feet to the fire, and we're like, do they hate me? Do they love me? What am I going to say to their parent? Okay, we get through that November into December. Now, they're squirming because break is, is on the move, and I have to get them to like, hey, guys, focus, and I've either made it or I haven't. They'll either respond because we have a relationship now or they won't and I've lost them. My fifth hour, I don't know, man. Don't think I got them. My seventh hour, I know I have them. And what, here's what I'm saying. You've built relationships now. You're comfortable with one another. The doors are going to begin flinging wide open for you to have gospel conversations because you have real connections with people. Does that make sense? If you'll look, if you'll just... Lift up your eyes. It's wide in the harvest. It's ready for you to just go speak. Second semester, we're going to see salvations. Kids are going to get saved in your schools. I mean, they are. There's one girl, if you could pray for a girl named Anna. She's considering the gospel. She's working through it. She's kind of fighting it a little bit. She's figuring it out. She's thinking about it, right? But I think she's going to get saved. Because people are ready. Does that make sense? Okay, Jesus invites His disciples to participate. Well, here's your key. Ministry opportunities abound. They abound. There's so many. Not only at your schools and at your work and everywhere in your life there are people who maybe you didn't maybe you haven't been working on them for years but the 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 seed had been planted and the soil had been tilled and maybe it's been watered even and now they're in your life and you have an open door and you can maybe even lead them to the lord but maybe it's not that maybe it's not evangelism at your school maybe you're like i don't know if i can do that yet okay there's a work day tomorrow I can't do that. I have to work. Or I don't know how to use a hammer. Okay. No problem. Somebody has to bring that coffee in here every week. And there's no rule that says it has to be the same person. Someone leads praise and worship in here. And Tegan and Joel and Seth and the other seniors, they're about to joy. They're going to dip out of here pretty soon. And then it's, 
Naomi and Rashan. And a middle schooler. So, she'll be a freshman. That's great. We have three people in the freshman. I'm just saying, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot, and they're gonna they're gonna be able to haul the water. It'll be great, and the coffee will get carried in, right? And the hospitality people will invite people, and ministry the ministry will go on and on. But you absolutely, there is an opportunity. If you don't know what your part in and service is, just ask. If you really want to plug in, there's there's literally tons of opportunity. Gavin and Mickey set up all the chairs, and they print off my notes every Sunday. That's two different jobs. Hey, they'd probably sell you one. I mean, if you want, if you want something, if you want to haul the water with us, maybe it's in main service. Maybe it's not even just youth. That's perfect. Kid Town literally always needs people to help. Right? The cafe team. The um, uh, connections counter team. Like, we could go on and on and on. They abound. Okay, so we aren't uh, we aren't perfect. So, like you know, you say, "Hey, I want to do something." I may not be able to find the best fit for you. You know, someone in here may not be able to say, "Hey, you should do this," and it it's the thing you're going to do for the next five years. We may not be able to find that. We're not perfect. We are, you know, fallible. But we can get you into a situation where you are hauling water and you have some accountability. Your part. You know, we can give you a broom and we can say, This is your home. That makes sense? We can give you some chores. And you you will feel more apart if you're serving. Make sense? Okay. Let's keep going. Number two, second principle is that he taught those receiving spiritual food have a responsibility to pass it on. Those who receive spiritual food should give it to to others. Okay, so Luke chapter 9, verse 12 through 17. We've got a long passage here. So hang with me. You guys are doing great. It says, And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals. For we are here in a desert place. It's like, hey, the day's running out. Send these people to the Motel 6 so they can... They can rest and get some food. But he, Jesus, said unto them, Give ye them to eat. You feed them. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. For they were about 5,000 men. Right? And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. They're like, We're going to have to go buy all this food if you want us to feed them. There's 5,000 men. There's women and children as well. And he says, Sit them down by fifties. And they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he, Jesus, took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them, and break. Here's what he did. And gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat, and were all filled. And there was taken up of fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. Okay, were the disciples hungry? Were they just saying, hey, let's send all these people away so that they can eat? Maybe. I bet you they were probably thinking, hey, can, can we wrap this up so we can go to Jimmy John's? Like, I'm kind of hungry, you know what I mean? Like, can we, can we get this show on the road? 
Okay. Jesus says, no, I want you to feed them. Not, I want to feed you. I want you to feed them. And what does he do? Jesus, he literally multiplies bread and fish. The Bible says it. It's true. That's not an illustration. That's not like some, you know, illustration that Jesus gave. Jesus literally multiplied food because he's God and he can do that. And then he didn't just supernaturally like, you know, Uber eats all the food via the Holy Spirit to all the people. He gave it to you. And He said, here's the spiritual meat. I want you to take this and give it to others. Here, I want you to give this to others. I know you're hungry. I want you to give this to others. I'm giving to you. You give to them. Does that make sense? Here's the principle we learn. Giving is better than receiving. The principle of giving being better than receiving. He's teaching them that. Especially in regards to your service. Especially in regards to, man, you're learning something. If you learned something this morning, that's really great. I learned a lot from this study. This was refreshing and reminding for me. Okay, if you learn something, it, yes, it's for you to learn. If, if the Lord gives you something to apply personally, that is right. But it shouldn't stop there. Right? Or maybe it's in main service, or maybe it's in your quiet time. Whatever God is giving you, you're given for you, but also so that you can be prepared to give to others. And maybe it's not what you learned in your quiet time or in this class. Maybe it's just the gospel. You've been given that, and we're called to give that away, and that's better. Luke 12, verse 48, let's look at the next principle. It says this, But he that know not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. So this guy does the bad thing and he didn't know any better and so we're going to beat him just a little bit. Okay? For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. Okay, what? We're talking about if you're given a lot, then it is required of you uh, what you do with that to be responsible with what you do with that. Okay, so we're learning the principle of accountability. So, man, you go to a church, if you go to Midtown, you go to a church that's really teach heavy. It's teach heavy. Not to say that we're the smartest, we're not. Not to say that, you know, we're the best, because we're not. But we teach a lot. You learn the Bible a lot. And if you paid attention for the last seven years of your youth ministry, you know as much of the Bible, if not more, than a lot of like pastors in this country. And why is that? Is it because you're really smart? No, we're not. Okay, And you're smart. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're not smart. You are smart. But it's because that's the focus here. Okay, as a result of that, because you've been given a lot, guess what? You're responsible for that. Like, that's not on accident. Your parents are here on purpose because God has them here. Or you're here on purpose because God has you here. And He thinks that you need to receive a lot of this so that what? 
so that you can give that to others. You're here on purpose. You're a part of this church on purpose. And that's the vision. That's the goal. It's to to download as much scripture to you as we can, to teach you, to train you, to equip you, so that you can turn around and go. It's not so that we can hold services and we can grow this class to be 100 people and we can have these big awesome parties and everyone wants to come here so that we can build this big pile of souls and just keep collecting and collecting and it gets bigger because everyone's pleased and happy to be here. That's not part of it. We want to be accommodating and hospitable, sure. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of people. But the focus is, hey, you're, you're getting a lot so you can turn around and give. Does that make sense? Much is required of you. I don't know if you knew that. But there's a lot that, that will be asked of you. Actually, your whole life is what God wants of you. He wants all of it. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the ministries of, uh, mysteries of God. Here he says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Here's what you're called to be. Faithful. You're given a lot. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the Word of God that's been given to you? What are you going to do with those Bible stories that your parents taught you when you were little? What are you going to do with those prayers that they prayed with you before bed? What are you going to do with that kid town education that you have? What are you going to do with the youth ministry experience of hearing expository preaching when most youth groups in our city are doing things way more fun than what we do? And I acknowledge that. And there's like a fraction of a percent of me that's sorry to you that we're not as exciting and cool. But what are you going to do with what you've been given? Are you going to be faithful? Or are you going to resent it and be bitter and begrudge that your experience in youth wasn't more tailored to what you wanted? Does that make sense? Are you going to just buy in and enjoy what God is giving you and see the vision? Be empowered and go. Give it. So here's a key thought. Disciples grow to a place of faithfulness and responsibility as they grow in their relationship with Christ and in service. This is stage three. Okay? Disciples grow to a place of faithfulness. Okay, you don't just wake up and you're faithful. You have to fail to become faithful. Think about the disciples. Or think about Jesus is about to die. And he's like, all right, guys, hey, come with me to this garden. Can you guys pray? Just, let's, let's watch him pray. They were real faithful, weren't they? They're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Dear Lord, and they got the real long, like, deep, <laughs> right? Okay, they failed. And then what does Peter do? Peter, it's like his right-hand man. Jesus is being taken. And this little girl, it's like, aren't you with... You're with Jesus, right? He's cussing at her, right? Fail. Was he faithful? No. Okay, we grow to a place of faithfulness. You're not expected to be perfect here. You're not. 
if you drop the ball in any ministry expectation, we're not actually mad at you. We'll hold you accountable. So tech team. I've been yelling at the tech team for like two years. And then Brock signed on, and he's like, I'll yell at him. I'm like, yes, yell at the tech team. Okay, it's all accountability. It's all, let's just hold a standard. Let's do well. Let's, let's be faithful to the tasks we're being given. And now the tech team does great, right? Okay, whatever service you jump into, man, be faithful. Grow to be faithful. And do so in your relationship, your quiet time, and in service. Okay, let's talk about education in relation to service. Okay, what does that mean? I'll tell you. And we're almost done here. And we will have some time to hang out. Having knowledge of Bible teaching is not enough. You will get plenty of Bible teaching. And maybe you receive it. It's not good enough. Okay? Because that has a very limited accomplishment in the Great Commission. Think about it. You get saved. You learn your Bible. How much does that affect the kingdom of God? You get saved. Praise God. How many souls is that? Please say one. One, right? Okay, you get saved. There's one soul. And then you learn your Bible. And then you get, like, maybe really, like, maybe you go all the way through LFBI. And you've learned from Genesis to Revelation. How much does that impact the kingdom of God? That you learned your Bible after you got saved? By one, right? Congratulations. What an impact. Right? I mean, we'll take it. We want that. Yeah. Okay, in stage three, disciples, we grow to learn that our walk with Christ is about more than just me. It's about us. Okay? It's about us. That my education, my learning of the Bible, it's not about me just learning it. It's about us learning it. It's about me learning it and then someone else learning it through me. That's what you should begin to see in stage three. Okay, number four, another part of uh, education in regard to service. True multiplication occurs when those being taught begin to teach others. So this is a transition. The transition begins from exclusively getting on Sundays and Tuesdays and whenever you're receiving whatever learning you're getting to beginning to give investment in truth as well. Make sense? That transition takes place here in stage three. When you get saved and you're in stage one and then stage two, you're not probably, I mean, you probably just need to get for a while, right? Sam will say to people that feel like they're, you know, they show up, they visit, they're like, man, that was really great. I don't really understand. He'll say, just sit there. What will he say? Do you know what he says? How well do you know Sam? What would he say? He would say what? With an open mind and a mouth shut. Ready to learn. Exactly. Exactly. Come for six months. Come for a year. Keep coming for this allotment of time with an open mind, an open Bible, and a shut mouth. And you'll get, you'll get it. Okay, you probably need that. Stage one, stage two. Stage three, now you need to start opening your mouth. Not during service. <laughs> After service, right? And we need to begin to disciple at some point. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same 
keep for yourself and go about your life. No. The same. Commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You'll see this about our church. Maybe this is just like a get to know MBT for this class. I don't know. What you need to know about our church is we are not a social justice prerogative church. We are not an events-based church. We are not a go-help-the-community church. Those things have importance. We are a discipleship church, which means this is the prerogative. This is the priority. And so we are going to get this, and then we're going to give this. And we are, here's your key point, it's a quick key. We are aiming to give this to faithful. We are aiming for faithful And we're taking all. Okay, so when you become, when you get discipled, you get equipped to disciple someone else, well, you'll be paired and we, we hope to pair you with a genuinely faithful person who will be discipled. Someone who will learn. Someone who's teachable. Someone who's humble. Someone who's ready. Someone who's available. Someone who will follow through with their commitments. Right? But even if you don't get someone faithful, guess what we do with those people who aren't quite ready for discipleship? They're not there. Guess what we do? We kill them. No. What do we do with them? That's dark. We teach them if they'll if they'll learn. What do we, have I ever told any of you? Hey, um, I never want to see your face again. You didn't. You know, you listen to me on Sunday morning. I never want to see your face again. I think I'm done with you. Have I said that to anyone? What if like three people raise their hand? <laughs> you guys be like, Jeff. I think you gotta go. No. What do we? What do we? We say, okay. Well, hey. All good. We'll, we'll work through, you know, what your role is. How do you participate? How do you still belong here? If you don't want to get with the... Okay, guys. If you don't want to get with the program that our church is, discipleship, that's okay. But that's what we're doing. And if you never get on board, we're still going to do the same thing. Does that make sense? That's important for you to know. Okay, number five. Right up here. The body of Christ, here's another principle. The body of Christ is comprised of spiritual generations. So Psalm 78, verse 1 through 6. Last long passage for you to read with me here. The psalmist says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. Here it is. And our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He had done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. You see these generations? Okay, Discipleship, the Great Commission, our mission as a church, your mission, and stage three, you're beginning to serve and participate 
you need to begin to see that this isn't all about just me and, and you. This is about our children and our children's children. And this is about, man, this isn't new to us. Like there have been generations behind of people who have been doing the same thing and it hasn't changed, right? This is our identity. This is who we are as disciples. We are preparing, we're preaching, we're discipling, we're laboring, we're praying for who? Well, our children. See, I don't have children. Well, praise the Lord, because you're 12. No, you're not. You're 15. Sorry. You just act like it. Oh, okay. So we're, we're praying, we're laboring, we're investing, we're doing what we're doing for the Lord, obviously, but we are aiming it. We're in, aiming this investment at our children and our children's children, both physically, like I'm thinking about, I think about Josie and her process of being mentored. And then, and then maybe, you know, when she's se- second semester senior year, she gets paired in discipleship. And dude, that just crushes my heart to think like my little baby Josie is there. You know what I mean? But like all of my girls will grow up and man, are we praying for our actual physical children to go through that path for growth? And I was talking to Chris. I just have to aside real quick. I was talking to Chris Best. Okay, so I'm walk, working through Brock and Lauren's wedding, right? Getting the sermon hashed out. At the beginning, what happens of a wedding? What happens? The, the gal, the, the bride, is walked down by who? Her father. And then, the, and then the officiant says, who gives this woman to be wedded to this man? And the father says, what, what does he say? Yeah, me. You've got to take her from my hands, right? Now he says, me, I, I give her to him. Okay, I stole Chris's daughter. But what I realized last night is, I have three daughters. I didn't realize that last night. (laughs) I realized that I have three daughters, uh, all of which up to this point, I mean, it's obviously more obvious, it's obviously more obvious with Josie, they love PayPal Chris. And I got to thinking about it, I was like, oh man. Like I knew at some point I would, probably have to give my daughters to some young man who's going to serve the Lord. It's going to be awesome. But you know who they're going to ask to their wedding? It's not me. I'm not doing their wedding. I'm giving them away. It's going to be Chris. And I'm going to have to walk my daughter down the aisle and Chris is going to have to ask me who gives this, you know, sweet revenge. He's scheming. He's, he's purposely giving treats to my daughters every time he sees them so that he can get back at me. <laughs> Respect. That's good. Okay. Here's what we need to know. Regarding our children physically, but also spiritually. Think about the people you will disciple and the people that they will disciple and the people that they will disciple. All right. The kingdom continues in two ways. It continues outwardly. Presently, right now, the kingdom grows this way. But the kingdom grows forward, generationally, generations to come. We are thinking, we are serving, we're investing, not for just how many people we can get right now. But we're in it for the long haul until Christ comes back. Does that make sense? 
So we are thinking about Kidtown, and we are thinking about the middle school. And I am purposefully kind of just trying to get these seniors up out of here. Like, okay, guys, get connected with Kaya. Get over it. Connect with him and get out. I love you. You'll be fine. Just go. Why? Because there's like a hundred of you, and there's like just a couple handfuls of underclassmen that I don't even know, bro. I don't even know them. So could you guys like get out of the way? I don't know the middle schoolers hardly at all. Okay, we have to start thinking forward. Does that make sense? Okay, so juniors, sophomores, freshmen. Need think that way with me. Let's think about the people who are coming in. Let's begin to think about making investments into them. You know what I mean? And seniors, whatever. Right? Here's your key point. God's resources and His work are plenteous for every believer. There is more than enough to get the job done, and there's more than enough jobs to be done for us to participate in. Make sense? And then you've got some references to every man, every man, every man, every man. Here's an illustration I'll end with. How many of you have heard of the Moravians? Anybody heard of the Moravians? Okay. The adults. All right. Great. Okay, the Moravians in Germany, it's a community, it's a church community. They prayed for a hundred years. They had prayer services for a hundred years straight, nonstop, 24-7. We're praying. They said, we need God. And what happened as a result of that is a great missionary period developed around the world. Because they saw that is there actually time for us to sleep? Or is the world dying and going to hell? Now, obviously, they slept. They did it in shifts, right? But the work is too big, and we're too small. So, yeah, let's get to work, but let's get to praying. Here's some facts about it. The Moravian community of Hernhut in Saxony in 1727. Get this, here's some numbers for you. In 1727, they commenced this round-the-clock prayer watch. They continued nonstop for over a hundred years. By 1791, okay, 65 years after commencement of that prayer vigil, the small Moravian community had sent how many missionaries? You think had they sent to the ends of the earth? 65 years. How many missionary uh, missionaries did they send out? Okay, 65 years. 1,425. Okay, let's, let's put it in perspective. It's 300. Let's put this in perspective. We've been a church for what? 15 years? Something like that? How many missionaries have we sent out? Schaefer's. And if you include their team members, which, okay, let's, let's do that. The team members... That's like, what did they, we sent, what, two, three couples with the Schaefer, something like that? So, okay, that's, maybe we shouldn't do this. We've sent out, let's say we've got ten per church plant. Okay, ten in Tampa. We sent the five, so that's twelve. Ten to Lee Summit, that's twenty-two. 10 to Boston, 
32. And what? Is that it so far? Am I missing somebody? I'd feel really bad if I was missing somebody. Okay, then we're going to send 10 to Vietnam. That's 42. 42 in 15 years, that's pretty good. But I don't know if you realize this, but it feels really bad every time we send a team. It hurts. It hurts. Because those are people that are dear to us, that we're sending out of our lives physically. We don't get to just hug them when we want. It hurts. We've sent 45 people, let's say, in 15 years. But they sent 300. 300 people. They were getting the work done. Why? Because there's so much work to be done. Think of the sacrifices that they were making. 300. That's like literally our entire church of adults. I mean, that's a ton of people that they said, get out of here. We got work to do. That's 300 seniors where they were like, you got to go. Come on. Just transition. Just get out. What's next for you? The mission field. Here's your conclusion. Stage 3, part A. There's more to stage 3 we'll talk about next week, but here's what we need to know. There is much to do, and there's little time to do it. In stage 3, disciples are seeing that and participating in that. So, upperclassmen, why are you serving? Why are you doing it? Are you doing it because, are you doing it out of a place of relationship with Christ, knowing He's with you even when it's hard and it sucks? Even when you're doing things you don't want to do, what is your motivation for service? What is your motivation? And then, underclassmen and juniors, what are you doing? How are you hauling the water with us? And if not, why not? And if your why not is because I don't know that I belong to this family, I don't know if this is like, I mean, you guys are cool, but I don't know that this is my family. I don't know that God is my Father. Or maybe I know God is my Father, but I don't think that, you know, I'm not connected with you guys. Can I just tell you, I have no idea what will connect you better than you just grab a broom, be part, jump in, be bold. Find a place. Get to work. Haul the water with us. The people I'm closest to in this class are the people who are hauling the water. Just how it is. I don't have like special relationships with people that aren't doing the mission with me. Does that make sense? I don't really have capacity for that, and neither do you. If your life is for ministry with the ministers, with your family. Do you have time for these other extra friendships and relationships? I mean, like, I'm pretty limited. I think you are too. So buy in with us. Come talk to me. Come talk to Kylie. She's prettier than me. Come talk to someone that you can talk with that can help connect you with something to do, some broom to hold, some water to haul. Get connected and buy in with us. Does that make sense? Because the seniors are leaving sooner than later, and this whole group is going to dramatically change. It always does. We're going to get really immature really quick. You watch. It's going to be idiotic in here, which is great. I want it that way. I want them out. But we've got to haul the water. Okay? Make sense?
All right, that went long. I told you it'd go long. In the flesh, I would apologize. In the spirit, I won't. Okay. I'm going to pray, and then we have uh, a little bit of time to get tidied up to hang out in the um, cafe down there. Cool. Questions? Any questions about any of that? We're good. Okay, if you do, grab one of us. I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for... uh,